0: Greetings, everyone. I'm Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. Hey, the courts have ruled that Tennessee can move forward with this new law to ban gender-affirming child mutilation. And second, why is there so much concern about five malaria cases in the states of Texas and Florida? And in a stunning announcement, Americas don't want to purchase expensive battery-powered cars that tend to overheat and explode at times. And finally, General Michael Flynn is raising the alarm that fifth-generation warfare is being unleashed in a coordinated, multi-pronged attack against the citizens of the United States. Well, the good news is that we can both prepare and resist that attack. All of this in Dictionary Wars on today's edition of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired Let's peel back the curtain of confusion To shed light upon the mainstream media madness And now, Narrative Wars With your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons We the people are sick and tired So tired Well, greetings, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and we continue with a new week, and we want to start off with this story about the state of Tennessee. Well, the courts have ruled that Tennessee can enforce a ban on transgender care for minors, uh, which basically means that uh, if a person is under the age of 18, they cannot undergo gender mutilation surgery they are not going to be allowed to take these uh, hormones which uh, block puberty and uh, the various hormones which are given in order to so-called transition from one gender to another. We know that's all a sham. You can't change uh, from a male to a female. It's virtually impossible. And your chromosomes do not change. Well, Tennessee's ban on gender-affirming care for transgender youth can go into effect now. Uh, And that's at least for now after the federal appeals court on Saturday temporarily reversed a lower court ruling. Let's take a listen uh, to cut number one. Night court ruling allows a ban on gender affirming health care for transgender youth in Tennessee. The piece of legislation was previously blocked. News 2's Nikki McGee has more on groups working to connect youth with the services this legislation cuts off. Nikki. Well, yeah, Kenley, this has been controversial legislation from the beginning. As of this ruling, doctors in Tennessee are not allowed to provide gender-affirming care to youth that includes things like puberty blockers, hormones, and gender-changing surgeries. Now, Tennessee's Attorney General is applauding this ruling. This morning, he released a statement saying the case is far from over, but this is a big win, and he believes Tennessee is likely to win the constitutional argument in this case. So there are multiple uh, steps involved here. Uh, Let's wind it back. Uh, Matt Walsh and uh, his movie, What is a Woman? Created quite a lot of interest in this topic of so-called gender-affirming care. We know it's not. It's gender mutilation, surgery, and hormone blockers. However, after the release of uh, What is a Woman? Uh, Matt Walsh had a rally. And it was in downtown Nashville. There were numerous lawmakers there. And there was enough public interest that the following session, uh, this law was passed, which bans uh, the gender blocking drugs and the hormones, uh, which then transition to supposedly transition a human being from one gender to another. We know they don't work. And the surgery uh, blocking that uh, entire procedure for anyone under the age of 18. First, the step is to just get an awareness among the lawmakers that this is an issue. And so you have to uh, bring it up in terms of enough social awareness. That certainly happened with the rally in the national news and uh, Tennessee was a perfect place in order to make that point. Then you have to get enough support from the public to get the law passed. The law was passed in the last session uh, during 2023. But then after, uh, even getting these things done, there is always the court battle and, uh, the Wokovite lawyers out there who, uh, want to see, uh, children mutilated and children destroyed and, and children sterilized for life and become lifelong, uh, drug addicts that have to take this, uh, These hormones for the rest of their lives, all to the tune of a probably a million dollar uh, haul uh, for the drug companies, the uh, uh, doctors, the surgeons, so on. uh, You know this this entire support community, uh, therapist, uh, close to a million dollars over the lifetime of these uh, people. Quite a cash cow situation. Then the third step is you got to get around the courts because there's going to be lawsuits. We've been seeing this uh, around the country. I believe uh, Florida is also uh, embroiled in a lawsuit as they rolled out their laws which restrict uh, gender affirming mutilation care. And so the uh, court battle is uh, is going to happen. And so Tennessee they won this case, and but it's still temporary. Uh the final uh, adjudication of this case is going to be in a number of months, could be around September of 2023. So we need to, for those of you who believe there's a God and believe there's prayer, keep this one in prayer because the decision is far from over that cut we heard was from WKRN uh, television news. Now from the Washington times, uh, here's a story from Matthew Barakat. And that's July 8th, 2023 on Saturday, uh, the U S sixth U S circuit court of appeals in Cincinnati granted the emergency appeal from Tennessee. So the attorney general of Tennessee had to appeal the court, a lower court from striking down uh, this new Tennessee law. And that's what attorney generals are supposed to do. They're the top law enforcement officer of the state. And so it was a two-to-one ruling. Uh, the majority wrote that the decision on emerging policy issues like transgender care are generally better left to the legislatures rather than the judges. Uh, Quote, given the high stakes of these nascent policy deliberations, the long-term health of children facing gender dysphoria, uh, sound government usually benefits from more rather than less debate, uh, wrote Chief Judge Jeffrey Sutton. Well, a number of observations here that we want to highlight before we move on to our next story. First, uh, according to the AP News, as of July 9th, 2023, 20 states now have enacted laws restricting or banning uh, gender-affirming care. So striking down uh, gender-affirming care, gender mutilation surgery, uh, and this hormone therapy, 20 states have done that. So that's good news. Uh, That is a cause for rejoicing. Yeah, good job, you guys. Keep it up, keep it up. All right, okay, enough of that. All right, so, and according to the National Review, uh, Sweden is putting on the brakes when it comes to gender-affirming care. The Swedes have noted uh, that there's been an explosion in children seeking guess what? Not transition, but the transition. So that's a very uh, important story because uh, we're thinking in the United States, we're hearing all these stories, they're all pushed to the top that uh, children want this. But in Sweden, it's the opposite. Uh, there's a explosion of, tree, uh, of children They're seeking detransition. They're saying, oh, that wasn't such a good idea. Uh, Chop, chop, snip, snip, surgery, and all this uh, gender-affirming, not-affirming, castration, uh, hormone therapy, bad idea. Uh, Maybe uh, some adults lied to me. So that's very interesting. We'll uh, continue to track that story in Sweden. Uh, And also, contrary to what the mainstream media may try to promote, it's becoming increasingly clear that quote there is no general scientific agreement much less certainty on how to best care for children with gender dysphoria. And that statement also coming out of Sweden. You can track those stories in the show notes. Regarding the Tennessee court ruling, quote, the court will issue a full ruling by September 30th after it has heard further arguments on the constitutionality of the uh, initial law and that story from Politico. Uh, Don't fall for the argument that children need to be chemically castrated and receive this gender-affirming sterilization care, or they will commit suicide. Remember, this is gaslighting, and this is a lie. Interesting that the most thorough follow-up of sex reassigned people... uh, Now, there's a study uh, that covers uh, the uh, reassignment of sex over a 30-year period. Now, this is an important study, Panel studies like this are fairly rare because it takes a lot of money, a lot of funding, and it takes a rather large uh, sample size and a lot of effort in order to track people over 30 years. You can imagine people move, uh, people change careers, people uh, get married, uh, names change, and so it takes a lot of effort to uh, stay in touch with people over 30 years. Well, there is a study... It was conducted in Sweden, and again, the study extending over 30 years and conducted in Sweden, this study, where the culture, now, in Sweden, they're saying the culture is supported of the transgender lifestyle, okay? So, this is not in a, in a country that is against it, but they wanted to study it, and they did it over the last 30 years. This has been going on in the background. Hasn't really been something that people in general have been interested in until now. So what did they find after this 30-year study? Oh, here we go. 10 to 15 years after surgical reassignment, the suicide of those who had undergone sex reassignment surgery went up 20 times comparable to to peers. Okay, that's important. Let's, let's read that again. Let's, let's, let's understand what has taken place here. So people had uh, gender reassignment surgery. They took the hormones and the blockers and the hormones to supposedly change over to another sex. Uh, but 10 to 15 years later, uh, when they did this follow-up, what did they find? The suicide rate of those who underwent this procedure, the so-called gender-affirming care, which I would rather refer to as gender mutilation care, the suicide rate of this population that was studied went up 20 times. So let's just put this to bed. Let's put the nail in the coffin here. When people say, hey, my child has gender dysphoria, and my child needs to have this gender-affirming care, or they're going to kill themselves. The truth is, if they do get the gender-affirming care in the surgery, that they are 20 times more likely to commit suicide than if they do not. So, that is a very important finding, and we need to put out that gaslighting that says otherwise. And finally, the best advice for your child who's going through puberty, remember, this used to be just called puberty. I don't know why they want to switch words, but yes, I do know why they want to switch words, because if they change the words, then they can teach you a new definition. If they can teach you a new definition, then you have new thoughts in your mind, but if you use the old words, which society has understood, at least as long as I can remember from the beginning of the 20th century, at least, it was called puberty. And puberty is just a natural changing over from childhood to early adulthood. But now they want to strike that word to puberty. And this is what we talk about on Narrative Wars. It's, it's a battle of words, narrative They want to strike that word puberty, and they want to substitute the term gender dysphoria. Wow, it sounds real scientific. It sounds really important. It sounds like, hmm, this is a real problem. Whereas puberty is just a, a rite of passage that everyone goes through. But now if everybody's going through gender dysphoria, ooh, that doesn't sound right. Dysphoria, that ooh, that sounds like a real problem. And then they tell you the lie that if your child doesn't get gender-affirming care, which is really gender mutilation therapy, then they're going to want to commit suicide. But we just found from the prior study in Sweden over 30 years that no it's the opposite 10 to 15 years after their surgery their suicide rate is going to go up 20 times well the important thing to do when your child goes through puberty is to talk to your child monitor their cell phone use take the phone away if necessary oh bad parent take the phone away ah oh, who wants to do that hey you're going to have to suck it up buttercup you're you're a parent you're not their peer you're a parent And you need to do what is necessary to keep your child alive and sane. Make sure they're not going into sexually predatory chat rooms or other online groups. Eat meals uh, daily with your child and stay in touch with them. You know, and there, there have been studies that have shown that healthy families are families that do very simple things like eat a meal together. You know, and when you eat a meal together, Turn those phones off. Turn the television off. Have a conversation. Huh, there's a thought. Find out what's going on in their lives and be a part of it. You're, you're only going to have them in your house for a few years and then they'll be gone. And finally, teach them some biblical values that God created man and woman. And yes, there are only two genders and that there are sexual predators. Teach your children that there are such things as sexual predators out there and that they prey on children and that they mean to cause them harm. You need to tell your children that they're loved. You need to be on their side and you need to let them know that they can come to you and talk to you at any time. Well, moving on to our next story, let's talk about what's going on in the states of Texas and Florida. Uh, there is some talk of malaria. Well, why is this even important? We're talking about five cases in two states that have millions and millions of people combined. Well, the United States has seen five cases. According to this story from uh, WKYC-TV News in Ohio, the United States has seen five cases of malaria spread by mosquitoes in the last two months. The first, and this story came out July the fourth, so we're talking about May and May and June of 2023. The first time there's been local spread uh, in 20 years. Well, there are four cases detected in Florida and one in Texas, according to a health alert uh, issued Monday by CDC. Why does a CDC even issue a health alert when you're talking about five cases? Well, interesting. Uh, let's find out more about this. Uh, Let's take a listen to this cut number two. The last US locally acquired cases of malaria happened in Florida in 2003. Currently there are 32 reported malaria cases in Ohio, but all of the patients were infected in other countries. Now the CDC is issuing a warning after five cases of locally acquired malaria appeared, four in Florida, one in Texas. No evidence suggests they're related, but none of the patients traveled abroad and malaria transmitted by mosquitoes isn't contagious. We need physicians to understand that they should have some suspicion for malaria. It's not difficult to diagnose and it's not difficult to treat. Fever, chills, headaches, fatigue, the most common symptoms. The recent cases were Plasmodium Vivax, the less severe form. All right, a few important uh, related stories to this, and we are going to talk about uh, malaria and uh, what's going on in Texas and Florida. The Gates funded. A world mosquito program engages in gain-of-function research. There it is again, that term, gain-of-function, which basically means they're genetically modified and they're adding something uh, to... The Mosquito, this story in the American Spectator, June 14th, 2023, Elizabeth Crawford, billionaire Bill Gates funds the world's largest mosquito factory in Medellin, Colombia. Why is Gates funding a mosquito factory in Medellin, Colombia? We continue, which is part of the World Mosquito Programme. They release thousands of altered mosquitoes per week using gelatin capsules, drones, (laughs) and motorcycles. This story in The American Spectator. I don't even know why this is being allowed. Why do we need genetically modified mosquitoes on Earth? Why do we allow this to go on? Well, it's being done in uh, Medellin, Colombia. You know, I got to say right here, folks. Um, no, it doesn't, doesn't sound right. No, um, I think uh, we're going to have to. Yep, there it is. Right there. There is a flag on the field. I can see it. There's a flag on the field right there. Okay, not right, not healthy for human beings and other God created creatures on planet Earth. Here's another follow-up story. The Gates Foundation spending $4 million to create malaria-killing mosquitoes. CNET, June 21, and this goes back to 2018. Quote, Vector control has played a critical role in reducing cases and deaths due to malaria over the past 15 years. Okay, sounds scientific and important. Malaria program at Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In the release, quote, Genetically modified mosquitoes are showing promise in controlling other vector-borne diseases. So we look forward to exploring their use alongside complementary intervention for malaria. You know, Bill Gates is not a medical doctor. He was a computer guy, an entrepreneur. Why is he creating genetically modified mosquitoes with gain-of-function research? in Medellin, Colombia. Why was this going on uh, as, as as far back as 2018? It may have started even earlier, according to CNET. We continue, the Gates Foundation has given $2 billion worth of grants over the past two decades to fight malaria, according to Business Insider. Malaria is caused by parasites that are transmitted to people through the bites of, you guessed it, Infected mosquitoes. In 2015, nearly 212 million people were infected and roughly 429,000 died, according to the World Health Organization. And this, there's a company that uh, is out there which uh, you should be aware of, Oxitec. O-X-I-T-E-C. So according to this article, Oxitec's method is to unleash genetically engineered male mosquitoes to mate with wild female mosquitoes, which might carry malaria. Well, we don't even know. Their offspring will carry the self-limiting gene, and the female mosquitoes, only, only the females do the biting. They'll die before they become capable of biting people. Well, this is the theory I'm not sure how they track this or know this is what actually takes place. This should help. Well, will it help? We don't know. It says this should help limit the transmission of malaria. The gene can be passed along for up to 10 generations. In addition to malaria, the Zika virus could also be reduced, the company said. So it might help. It should stop the female mosquitoes that transmis- transmit the disease. It's not really clear. So, a couple comments here. Why is the Bill Gates operating the mosquito factory in Medellin, Colombia? We've already commented on that, but do your own research. Follow up on that. Why is this going on? Why is the world not questioning the release of millions of GMO mosquitoes around the world? I mean, do we really need to be tinkering with Mother Nature? Do we really need to be playing God? Well, these people... They're not God-fearing. They don't believe there's a God. So they just feel that mosquitoes and anything else that's living, it's just like a computer. You just tinker with it, you know? Mosquito 1.0, mosquito 2.0, 2.5, 3.0. Why is Bill Gates so interested in solving a problem which has already been solved? There's already treatments for malaria. So why do we need to be putting robo-mosquitoes up in the air in order to solve a problem which has already been solved. We don't have an outbreak of malaria in the United States. So why is this going on? And this company Oxitec, backed by Bill Gates, released mosquitoes. Texas, Florida, now a number of years later, malaria is showing up. Well now we do understand and and uh, we have to make the disclaimer here that correlation is not causation, but it raises the eyebrow. It, it gets us to ask the question why? And in a healthy republic such as the United States, we're supposed to have freedom of speech, freedom of inquiry, freedom of intellectual honesty, what? is taking place here. Finally, is there a downside to the GMO mosquitoes? Could they be also weaponized as an offensive weapon in a military arsenal? Now, none of this was discussed in the articles that we talked about, but is it possible to weaponize something as tiny as a mosquito and to be using it for nefarious purposes? We don't know, but it's worth looking into. For example, could GMO-modified mosquitoes be used as bioweapons in non-traditional warfare scenario? Well, we will continue to follow up on this and other related biting stories relating to the mosquito. (music) Well, Narrative Wars continues to expand its audience, both in the United States and internationally. We've surpassed the 2000 program download mark. Thank you for your support for this program. And if you keep listening, we'll keep producing free content uh, to keep you informed. You can follow us on social media on Getter, Twitter, and True Social. Just search for Jeffrey K. Lyons. That's Jeffrey K. Lyons on one of these social media apps. Again, that was Getter Twitter Truth Social. And for more information, visit our website on NarrativeWars.org. That's NarrativeWars.org. And when you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app, please five-star rate. Follow and tell two to three like-minded friends. That's how we continue it, to expand the Narrative Wars posse. We truly appreciate your support. You are the reason why we do this program. And now let's continue. All right, continuing on with our next story, moving from uh, biting bugs to a story that has to do with uh, the cars that uh, are using uh, batteries. And interestingly enough, is that the rare earth materials that are used uh, in order to make the batteries which power the EV cars, well, they're taking quite a bite out of the earth. Uh, you wondered how I was going to make that tie-in. Yes, they're making quite a bite out of the earth because they need an enormous effort in terms of strip mining in order to sift through millions and millions of cubic feet of earth in order to extract these uh, minerals, rare earth minerals. Well, it turns out that the US EV adoption outlook, it has fallen uh, in projections. In other words, they have not uh, made the kind of sales figures they wanted to make. And so the outlook fell by 30% in 2022. So Uh, Going back to 2022 and projecting forward, they did not make their mark by 30%, and that's quite dramatic. Well, uh, according to this article, Yahoo News, uh, December 20, 2023, auto executives around the globe are pumping the brakes when it comes to expectations for EV adoption. And in a recent survey conducted, By consulting an accounting firm, KPMG, the median expectations for EV sales in the US by 2030 fell by 65% uh, last year to 35% in this year's poll. So that would fall well short, I would think so, of uh, President Loser Biden's uh, goal of half of all new vehicle sales in 2030 uh, to be fully electric. Let's take a listen to this story. Cut number three. Auto executives around the globe are pumping the brakes when it comes to expectations for EV adoption. In a recent survey conducted by consulting and accounting firm KPMG, the median expectation for EV sales in the U.S. by 2030 fell from 65 last year to 35% in this year's poll. That would fall well short of President Biden's goal of half of all new vehicle sales in 2030 to be fully electric. the Romanian here with more on this. Wow. <laughs> what has caused that number in your estimation to fall so dramatically? You know, it's a big part of it, I think, is their concern about pricing in terms of component prices and also um, things like EV adoption rates. They, they think that they're not going to be as strong as they, as they believe. Uh, you know, Higher rates, too, right, are affecting the kind of adoption of... Gas prices coming yeah, down, I exactly. would think, would factor in there as well. Yeah. So you have these EVs that are already kind of expensive, hard to get the critical materials you need for the batteries and things like that. And in places like India, Brazil, and even Japan, they're not seeing the EV adoption kind of happen fat as soon as they think it would be uh, because of various reasons. Japan is interesting because the CEO of Toyota is kind of pumping the brakes also. Well, Japan is pumping the brakes on EV vehicles. They're not getting with the program. That is... Uh, An important observation. Well, in an article, Gallup poll, uh, Mega Brennan, uh, and this is April 12, 2023, most Americans are not completely sold on the uh, electric vehicles. Uh, Washington, D.C., Americans' adoption of EV vehicles is proving to be slow as relatively few currently own one. Only 4% own them or are seriously considering purchasing one. Uh, that's uh, 12%. Another 43% of US adults say they might consider buying an electric vehicle in the future, while 41% say, no, we're not going to do it. Absolutely no. So, look at here we go. Look, the two biggest categories, uh, looking back at these stats 43% of US adults say they might consider buying. So, they're on the fence post. Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. And then 41% say, no, no way, I don't want to do it. So really, you've got uh, about 84% of the public that either does not want to do it, absolutely not, and half of those people are just not convinced. So this is not being adopted quickly. People are not buying in on the EV craze it's basically being pushed top down and uh, in order for it to truly be adopted and become part of America's society uh, as a well 50% adoption which the government wants uh, you're going to really have to adopt a different strategy, what marketers call a pull strategy. Strategy. What we have right now is a push strategy. You know, you must buy the EV vehicles. And people are saying, eh, I don't know. I don't know. what, why, why, Why? Why try to fix something that isn't even broken? Well, a couple of observations here. Why is this U.S. government picking winners and losers? Really, that's the fundamental question. Why is our government pushing something? You know, it used to be that government would just have regulations to keep people safe, that the whole point of government is to maintain critical infrastructure. But now we have a uh, semi-fascist style government and fascism in its purest form is when government colludes or works together with private industry in order to push policies that the government wants private industry to be behind. So that's what we mean by when we say picking winners and losers. So why is the government telling the public what they must purchase and not purchase? This is the fundamental question. Well, this is not how free market capitalism works. This is Marxist this is centralized, top-down economic planning. It also overlaps with fascism, as we have just mentioned. But if you've got a government which is saying, this is how we're going to restructure society, we're going to uh, come up with billions of dollars in order to create new factories to produce these EV cars, and we're going to incentivize the public, and we're going to create... a public relations campaigns in order to push this uh, EV theme. Well, then, now we've got a quasi-Marxist form of government and centralized planning occurring. And we saw how well that went in the Soviet Union when it collapsed. Well, people do not want to be forced to purchase EV cars. That is clear. They're not hitting their goals. They're down 30% from their targets. Uh, It does not seem to be going very well at all. A higher percentage of EV cars means there's going to be more government control. This is the bottom line. Why? Because it's the government which is pushing the factories. It's the government which is funding the industry. The EV car industry is a losing proposition. The only only reason they're building these factories is because the government is putting up all this green new deal or green new steel cash. EV car owners will be at the mercy of available electricity from the grid. Think about it. There aren't enough places to go, it's charging stations. Uh, there are a lack of charging stations, not only, and in addition, even when you plug in to a charging station, it, you, you, can't, you can't charge your car in five minutes. You know, It takes, what, five minutes to fill up your tank with gas and you're gone? No, it could take an hour, two hours, three hours, And so it's not an equivalent situation. So, you know, if you're planning a trip across the country and you're going to drive farther than 350 or 400 miles, whatever the limit of the uh, battery is, you're going to have to stop somewhere. You're going to have to uh, scramble around looking for a charging station. Even if you find one, it could take a few hours uh, to charge it up. You It might be late at night. By that time, you might be too tired. You have to spend the night. So uh, it will seriously curtail mobility of Americans, and Americans love their cars. They love the interstate system, and they're just not going to stand for this, and that's what we're seeing. There is no attraction to it. EV car owners will be at the mercy of available electricity from the grid. The grid is already strained. Government is shutting down. Guess what? Coal generation uh, for electricity. So, we remember this whole thing about yeah, oh, we got to have uh, solar and windmills and renewables, and so coal bad, fossil fuels bad, bad. Uh, well, what has happened in the past? We've seen rolling blackouts in some of the larger states. We've seen it in California. We even saw it a few years, summers back in the state of Texas because there wasn't enough power available in the grid during the summer, and that's when everybody was using their air conditioning and there was rolling blackouts. So this is a, a real problem. So you're going to add more strain onto the grid with millions and millions of EV cars, and we can't even come up with enough electricity to... Uh, supply the air conditioners across the country right now because at the same time we're shutting down coal uh, generating uh, facilities that make f- uh, electricity. So, really, it's stupid on both ends St- <laughs> stupid in terms of supply, and then stupid in terms of demand. There's no demand for the EV cars, but even if the EV cars hit the road, uh, there's not going to be the supply of electricity. So it couldn't be any more of a disaster. What we are looking at is a total meltdown of the grid, a uh, pumping of the brakes of, a, of the uh, economic engine. And remember, trucks uh, run on diesel fuel, but if that gets shut down, we're really in trouble. So We need to uh, say no to EV cars. We need to say yes to other means of producing electricity. The uh, windmills and the uh, solar farms just aren't doing the trick. Moving on to Dictionary Wars now, we're looking at the phrase, the big lie. Well, this phrase uh, has been out uh, for some time. Now, we've been hearing it recently repeated in the news in uh, numerous formats. But did you know that, and this is according to populismstudies.org, uh, again, links in the show notes, the big lie is the name of a propaganda technique originally coined by, guess who? Adolf Hitler. Hitler in Mein Kampf, not a secret. Quoting from Mein Kampf, the great masses of the people will be more easily fall victim to a big lie than a small one, unquote. Well, this denotes uh, where a known falsehood is stated and repeated and treated as if it is self-evidently true. The other term for the big lie, of course, is gaslighting. You say it, you say it repeatedly, and you double down on the lie. And you hope that you will sway the course of an argument in a direction that takes the big lie for granted rather than critically questioning it. Examples of this are blaming the Jews for all of Germany's problems and communist propaganda, blaming the bourgeois for all the workers' problems. Well, what is happening now is there's a new twist on the big lie. And that is that the people that are actually propagating a falsehood, a false narrative, are now accusing those that are trying to shed light upon the false narrative. They're accusing those people of propagating a big lie. So... This other version of the big lie is the insistence that the 2020 election, this is an example, that the 2020 election was the most secure election in American history, and that anybody who disagrees with this secure election narrative is engaging in, guess what, here it comes, the big lie. So in this tactic, uh, there's an argument between two opposing parties, one party accusing and maligning the other party, of a certain action, and when all the while the accusing party is doing the very thing that the other party is being accused of. Let's take a listen to this, cut number four. Two thousand mules, what's a mule? A mule is a paid political operative hired by a left-wing organization to deliver fraudulent and illegal votes to mail-in drop boxes. The number 2,000 is a ridiculous undercount of the number of mules. The real number is much greater. And the Democrats deployed them in all the key states essentially to to rig the election for Biden, to put Joe Biden over the top. This is not a big lie. It's not misinformation. It is now a proven fact. Joe. That's Dinesh D'Souza. And he's saying this is not a big lie. In other words, by shedding light upon the fact that the 2020 election was rigged, by coming up with the evidence, objective evidence that the 2020 election was rigged. And you're just going to have to watch 2000 Mules yourself, weigh the evidence. To me, it's overwhelming. The election in 2020 was rigged. That being said, this is what is happening. And this is why we're covering this story in Narrative Wars, because it is a war for the narrative. Take a listen to this. This is how the political left is trying to put down the light that Dinesh D'Souza is shining upon the 2020 election Take a listen to this, and this is cut number six. Jonathan Lemire is Politico's White House bureau chief and the host of MSNBC's Way Too Early. And his new book, The Big Lie, Election Chaos, Political Opportunism, and the State of American Politics After 2020 is out this week. ProPublica reporter Doug Bach-Clark worked on the story. Doug, you're right that this is a case of little untruths adding up to the big lie and sort of moving from the fringes to the mainstream of the Republican Party. How did this happen? So the big lie didn't just magically appear. Based on this assembled evidence, the select committee has reached a series of specific findings. Now, many of these findings pertain to what has been called the big lie—the enormous effort led by ex-President Trump to spread baseless accusations and misinformation. So this uh, is called wallpapering. Basically, the media are All parroting the same story, using the same wording, using the same phrases big lie, big lie, big lie. And that is being used in order to get people to not listen to stories and documentaries such as the 2000 Mule uh, film documentary, which really unearths the evidence that, yes, there was a major problem with the 2020 election. And so they're accusing Dinesh Dinesh D'Souza and others who are uh, questioning the results of the election by calling it a big lie, when in fact they're the ones that are perpetrating the big lie. Now, a couple final uh, things to note here. Hitler championed the term. Remember, it was Adolf Hitler in his book Mein Kampf that championed the term the big lie as a propaganda ploy to sell ideas such as Jewish final solution to the public. Uh, Secondly, the big lie now has a new twist and we've been talking about this and that the modern mainstream propaganda media is now accusing Americans that choose to question election integrity of pushing a big lie. So in other words, the party committing the big lie the January 6 kangaroo court hearings, which we just heard in that cut, is blaming the American voters of committing wrong Wrong think the Orwellian term by stating that there's value in questioning election integrity, and that is not a big lie. Well, in our next story, we're going to turn to, and this is our final story of uh, narrative wars today. We're going to turn to General Michael Flynn, and he talks about his book, uh, Fifth Generation Warfare. So let's uh, take a listen uh, to this, and it's cut number five. In in, uh, Fifth Generation Warfare, part of what I call it is I call it a war of narratives where there's distraction there's deception, there's truth, there's uh, some physical uh, aspects of it. Uh, there are, uh, there's certainly uh, adversarial elements, there's adversarial elements within it that are, um, that are not normal, uh, what you would describe as, as military type capabilities, right? Media mm. would be part of that, uh, propaganda, So you can listen to a fuller version of that. Uh, interview links in the show notes. That's General Michael Flynn. He was a three-star general, and he's explaining fifth-generation warfare. Uh, that was uh, partially from an interview uh, on Epic Times with a Roman uh, Balcomov. Now, fifth-generation warfare is a non-kinetic form of warfare. So we're not talking about bullets and bombs, uh, things blowing up, people shooting each other using tanks. We're talking about a different uh, field of warfare, and that field operates in the cognitive battle space. In other words, in the minds of your adversary. The battle could be better termed as a battle for share of mind, Uh, So fifth generation warfare targets the belief systems of civilians and places citizens in opposing groups. The goal is to destabilize a nation state in order to ultimately topple the existing government and replacing it with an adversarial ruling force. And so it's all about cutting uh, a formerly homogenous nation into pieces and getting these different opposing groups to war against each other, causing Destabilization, And we saw that during the summer of 2020, we saw that with CRT, we saw that with Antifa, we've seen that with the racism uh, issue, uh, continuing, continuing to fan the flame of uh, accusations of racism across the country. And we see that with political parties warring. Uh, it doesn't matter what the issue is, as long as it can polarize one group against another, Then you're even going to have uh, uh, children divided against children, parents against parents, parents against children. And of course, we've talked about it extensively in the beginning of this program when we talked about the whole gender-affirming, gender-destroying, gender-mutilation care. uh, That is just another form of, or can be weaponized as another form of fifth-generation warfare opposing different groups. And I've been to these rallies for uh, gender-affirming care, and at times it looks like a battle. Uh, Believe me, you you should go uh, for yourself and and see what it looks like. Uh, It is uh, definitely a battle for the mind. Secondly, ironically, a nation can be under attack from fifth-generation warfare strategy. Remember, it's in the cognitive battle space. In other words, the mind, the nation that is being attacked can be completely unaware or oblivious to the fact that they're being attacked, and that unconventional warfare is being used as a mode of hostile invasion. And this is what's so insidious about fifth-generation warfare, is that you can be attacked, and you don't even know you're being attacked. So, highly recommended, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth-Generation Warfare. That's Michael Flynn, Boone Cutler. Highly recommend that you give that a read. Well, some concluding comments here. In the past, when children were young, we prepared them for what we called the change of life of pu- or puberty. We told them that puberty is something that all human beings go through and that puberty is normal. It's awkward, clumsy, and uncomfortable at times, but everybody goes through it and your parents and friends who are older than you are here to support you, encourage you, and tell you that this is a natural and normal passage from childhood into early adulthood. You will survive. Well, fast forward to Biden's America. For some odd reason, the word puberty has now been stricken from the English lexicon and the woke teaching establishment who wants to substitute the term transgender for the well-established concept of puberty. And so the unnecessary hysteria has begun. The transgender lifestyle is being pumped, pushed, puffed, and propagated by all the cool kids in Hollywood, the pop music industry, and the woke medical establishment. It's as if all of these communities have suddenly had the same earth-shattering epiphany. Well, we need to chemically, now, we need to chemically castrate the children of the United States of America because this is what our children want. But the left-wing crazies in the California legislature they now want to take children away from parents. If the parents don't agree to the regendering of gender affirming, gender mutilation care to their children, the California legislature wants to take those children out of the parents' care and custody. The instant cure for gender dysphoria is now gender affirming care in California. And if you, as a parent, have ideas that are Contrary to that narrative, well, then your thoughts are irrelevant. But here's the reality. The clever euphemism, gender-affirming care, is a barbaric medical practice on equal footing with such quackery as the outlawed and disgraced lobotomy procedure. Gender-affirming care is nothing more than chemical castration and surgical mutilation of the genitals in the breasts of children, children who undergo gender-affirming care will become lifelong drug patients for big pharma. They will also be sterilized. There is no going back. Once a person has been taking these powerful puberty blockers and other drugs for a long, prolonged period of time, that decision cannot be reversed. The 30-year-long longitudinal study conducted in Sweden to assess the viability and outcomes of patients that receive gender-affirming care found that, quote, this study found substantially higher rates of overall mortality, death from cardiovascular disease and suicide, suicide attempts and psychiatric hospitalizations in sex reassigned transsexual individuals compared to healthy population control. Unquote. Doesn't sound like gender-affirming care is very gender-affirming, does it? Well, let's shed light on the lie that gender-affirming care helps young people going through gender dysphoria. Gender-affirming care actually does the opposite. It harms children for life. The data from this 30-year study from SWEDA prove that the narrative that gender-affirming care is a reasonable medical treatment is a lie. And to repeat that lie is to repeat the big lie. It's gaslighting. In fact, it's a lie from the pit of hell. There are only two genders and no amount of surgery. Or hormone therapy can cause a person to change genders. If any doctor or medical professional tells you otherwise, run for the nearest exit. Any school tries to indoctrinate your children with these false claims change schools, move to different county or move to different state. This is an attack on our children and the most vulnerable members of our society. We need to protect them. And while this attack is being directed towards our children, there's another attack that's brewing against the adult population. And it comes on wings, the wings of a mosquito Well, what can we say about the new malaria cases in the United States as of July 12th? USA Today is now reporting six cases in Sarasota County, Florida, and one in Cameron County, Texas. Do you hear another faint beating drum of Pandemic 2 coming? Will this be the sequel to the 2020-2022 COVID shutdown narrative? All we can do is prepare and stay alert. Could this be an attack from a foreign actor aimed at destabilizing the economy of the United States? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully it will amount to nothing. Similar to the false cries of monkeypox panic issued by the World Health Organization in July of 2022. But of course, we can forget all of these maladies while we as fellow Americans cruise around the neighborhood slowly and we display our newly acquired EV vehicles, this is what the government wants us to do, we can all feel better that we are saving the planet and doing our part to provide employment in poverty-stricken countries by creating the demand for rare earth minerals which can be found in these underdeveloped nations, not to mention that the destruction of the environment in massive strip mines in pursuit of rare earth minerals is indeed a noble cause. Americans can hold their heads high and say, yes, I care about the planet. Well, according to mining.com, China controls the production of 37.9% of the world's rare earth minerals. The United States, in comparison, controls, wait for it, wait for it, 1.3% of the world's rare earth minerals. Sounds like a pretty good deal for America, doesn't it? Well, let's stop production of oil and gas. The industry, which the United States is a world leader in, and only a few years ago, we were net exporters of oil and gas to the rest of the world. Well, let's dump oil. Let's dump gas. Let's get rid of gasoline vehicles and diesel trucks which form the backbone of our supply chain for finished goods and raw materials. Let's dump all of that proven technology for an untested technology which will place communist China at the apex of the world's rare earth mineral production. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Sure. And here is the argument that seals the deal and brings home the winning combination for all Americans to enjoy. We will no longer be the leader of the free world. The economy of the United States of America will go into free fall. China will become the dominant world power. And yet we, as Americans, we will feel good about ourselves. Folks, it's all about feeling good about ourselves, right? As we drive our Teslas around the neighborhood. Because why? Because we are saving the planet. Well, some of you have figured out that perhaps we at Narrative Wars are not actually trying to sell that narrative. The good news, Americans are not buying this fifth generation warfare propaganda. Parents are rising up and lawmakers all across the United States are outlawing gender-affirming mutilation care. Americans are wiser now that we've gone through the COVID lockdowns and the masking, and we're not going to submit so easily to another pandemic crisis directed by unelected United Nations operatives of the World Health Organization. And here's more good news. EV car sales are plummeting. They're not moving quickly, and they're not moving as quickly as predicted by the overlords in the government. Americans are beginning to figure out that the Green New Deal is nothing more than the Green New Steel. It's a certain path to the loss of freedoms and liberties in the United States of America. So take heart, lover of liberty, there is still a flicker of flame burning in the torch in the New York Harbor Lady Liberty has not turned her back on the American dream. Not yet. The hope that there is a better place where we can raise our children and our children's children still exists. America is still a place where in God we trust means that we have the freedom to teach our children that God is in control and the Bible remains a guidebook for life. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We'll be full sick and tired. Hey. So tired. Hey.